It's quite clear that saturated fat raises our blood cholesterol levels, the low-density lipoprotein, or LDL, which is the most unhealthy form of cholesterol that runs in our bloodstream. And there's a very direct linear correlation there. There's a vast amount of evidence that the higher your LDL level, the higher your risk of cardiovascular disease. It's almost impossible at this point to refute that. We want to have as low an LDL as possible, essentially. So saturated fat is probably the number one driver of an elevated LDL. There are other things too, but saturated fat is a huge driver. So you want to get that down. Saturated fat is actually also very pro-inflammatory. It causes inflammation at the cellular level. That's Dr. Michelle McMacken. And this is episode 132 of The Proof Podcast. Hi friends, welcome back. Hope your week is going well. And for all the first timers out there, thank you so much for joining us. Simon Hill here, your show host, author, nutritionist, and physiotherapist. Today we are back together for another Wednesday Wisdoms episode. This time it's Dr. Michelle McMacken, a board-certified internal medicine physician from New York, walking us through the ins and outs of different types of fat in our diet. You'll hear Michelle talking about saturated fats, trans fats, and unsaturated fats, the important things we need to know about each, and how they then impact our food choices. You'll also hear Michelle talk about the compared to what principle, a crucial principle when evaluating how healthy or unhealthy a particular nutrient or food is, a principle that you will be familiar with if you've read my book, The Proof is in the Plants. So with that said, here we go. This is Wednesday Wisdoms with Dr. Michelle McMacken talking all things dietary fats. Enjoy the episode and I'll catch you on the other side. If you're a long-time listener of this show, you'll be well aware of the scientific evidence that supports a high-fiber, plant-rich diet for good long-term health. And while I certainly believe in a food-first approach, there is a role for supplements to help optimize the intake of specific nutrients and address any nutritional gaps. Enter Emil. Emil is a plant-based wellness company with a series of products to help you optimize your plant-based diet. Two of my favorite products being the Essential 8 Multivitamin and the Optimal Omega Plus. The Essential 8 contains 8 key nutrients that plant-based eaters often fall short in. And the Optimal Omega Plus contains a direct source of DHA and EPA Omega-3s, same as in fish, but from algae. In fact, taking Optimal Omega Plus daily, which contains 750 mg of EPA and DHA, is equivalent to eating 2 to 3 pieces of fatty fish per week in line with the nutrition recommendations globally. To get your Essential 8 and Optimal Omega Plus, head to theproof.com forward slash friends and follow the link which will get you an extra 10% off your first order. That's theproof.com forward slash friends. Hey friends. 
The scientific evidence on lifestyle habits that lead to longevity is clear. Now it's time to put this knowledge into action. I'm excited to announce the Living Proof Longevity Challenge, a 12-week program to build evidence-based lifestyle habits to optimize longevity. My team and I have transformed over hundreds of hours of conversations with experts on aging, nutrition, and exercise into a life-changing 12-week program that will challenge you to develop habits that lead to a longer, better life. This is a unique opportunity to gather health data about yourself that has the potential to change your life for the better. You'll start by testing 10 longevity biomarkers that tell the truth about where your longevity stands right now, today. Following that, you'll get a personalized longevity score to guide your 12 weeks of habit building that will boost your score and improve your biomarkers for the better. After the challenge, you'll retest your 10 biomarkers and see the proof of how powerful these science-backed habits really are. Head over to theproof.com forward slash livingproof to download your zero-cost copy of the Living Proof Longevity Challenge today. That's theproof.com forward slash livingproof. Look forward to joining you on this journey. So first of all, I do think it's super confusing. And I think if I had not personally taken the time to do a lot of reading and nutrition and, and study nutrition, I would be as confused as the next person. And it's even still confusing. So I want to validate anyone who's confused out there, it's understandable. The simplest way to think about it is you have to always remember that when you do nutrition science, any kind of nutrition science research, you always have to think about if you're increasing one nutrient or decreasing one nutrient, what are you eating instead? This is extremely relevant when it comes to the saturated fat studies. So just to um, back up and talk about, you know, what is saturated fat? So we have saturated, we have mono, we have polyunsaturated, and we have trans fats. So I guess there's four types. And so saturated fats are fats that do not have any double bonds, technically, and they're rigid and line up and don't have any kinks in them, and they're good for structural support in various functions in our body. So anything that contains fat will contain some saturated fat. It's just a matter of percentages. Across the board, when you look at foods that are very, very rich in saturated fat, dairy fat is one of the highest ones. We also have foods like beef, chicken, pork, lard, processed meats, certainly. And in the plant world, we have coconut oil, palm oil. But to some degree, even vegetable oils have some saturated fat. Olive oil, I think, is, if I'm not mistaken, around 14 or 15% saturated fat. Nuts, avocados, all fat-containing foods have some. It's just a matter of how much. And likewise, dairy and beef, for example, have monounsaturated fat, which is the type of fat that's also found in olive oil and thought to be heart healthy. And we'll get into why they may have different effects in those different foods. And then polyunsaturated fats are fats that are found typically in plant sources and vegetable oils, nuts and seeds. And um, trans fats are primarily found when you take a vegetable oil and it's industrially processed to become a solid at room temperature. It's hydrogenated. So anytime you look on the label and you see partially hydrogenated something oil, that contains trans fats. And of all the different types of fats, trans fats are pretty much considered the most unhealthy. Those are the ones, again, that everyone agrees are a big, big problem as far as, as far as heart disease. The marketing is very tricky because they're allowed to round down after a certain number if they, if they get the serving size low enough and therefore the trans fat amount low enough, they're allowed to round down to zero and they're allowed to say zero grams of trans fat per serving. And they just make the serving size small enough so that it becomes zero grams of trans fat 
per serving. But in the United States, a lot of that is going to be regulated out around trans fats because it's well acknowledged that they're extremely uh, atherogenic and promote cardiovascular disease. So um, back to saturated fats, I think that for a long time, um, dietary guidelines back in the 70s and 80s, there was this sense that it was all fat that caused disease. So there was no looking at different types of of categories of fat. The the message was everybody should eat a low-fat diet. And I think that the response to that was industry started capitalizing and creating foods that were low-fat but highly processed. So if you have something that tasted great with a lot of fat in it and you're removing the fat, what do you add to it to make it more palatable? It's probably sugar or white flour. And so what we have is a generation that was raised to believe that they should be following low-fat diets, but eating probably equally unhealthy foods because they were laden with refined grains and added sugar, and actually eating more calories, too. The foods themselves, these hyper-processed foods, are uh, very low in fiber. They're extremely dense in calories, so you eat a small amount and you get a lot of calories at the same time. And like I said before, they're just engineered to make you keep coming back for more. You know, they just you just keep going. Um, so for a long time, everybody thought low-fat was it. And from the work of nutrition epidemiologists, people like uh, Ansel Keys and so forth, that we knew that there was probably a connection between saturated fat and heart disease, and there were randomized trials that showed that. But the message that got out to the public was largely a low-fat message. So fast forward to about 2010 and then into 2014, there were a couple of big studies called meta-analyses that were published. And a meta-analysis typically takes studies that have done primary research and lumps all of the findings together to see if they can come up with what is the overview, you know, big take-home point from all of these studies. And so the meta-analyses that were published in 2010 and 2014, and then there was one in 2015, looked at saturated fat and the risk of cardiovascular disease and the risk of cardiovascular mortality as well as overall mortality. And what they found across the board was that there was no increase in cardiovascular disease or mortality for people that were eating more saturated fat. And so this kind of blew up, and this is where we started seeing on the headlines of, you know, magazines, Butter is Back, and everybody was like, oh my gosh, all this time I was told to eat low fat, and I was told saturated fat was bad, but, you know, I love bacon, and I love butter, and I love this and that, and so this is great news, there's no harm. So... What we've realized since that time, and I think is really underappreciated in the general public, is that, again, it really matters what you're eating instead. So if you are eating a diet that's low in saturated fat, but you're filling yourself up with a lot of sugar and refined grains, turns out those things are equally bad for you. So when you compare that to people eating a diet that's high in saturated fat and you don't see any difference, that doesn't necessarily mean saturated fat is good for you. It just means that it's equally bad for you. So in modern era, and by modern era, I mean like the last five years, (laughs) there have been these um, fantastic studies that have actually been sophisticated enough with their methodology to make these substitutions. So for example, what if we replace 5% of calories from saturated fat with plant protein or with whole grains? or with polyunsaturated fats, which are largely vegetable oils, then what do we see? In those studies consistently, and we're talking about hundreds of thousands of people, we see consistently a benefit. Eating any of those categories of foods instead of saturated fat does tend to benefit you. So it's always about what you compare it to. I think the other thing I would add is that 
When people eat low saturated fat diets, they tend to be, um, historically, they tend to be high carb diets. And I don't really like to use the term carbs because carbs is just super confusing. What is a carb? A carb, it's not a food, it's a macronutrient. And so a carb could refer to anything from, you know, fruit to fruit loops. And they're vastly different nutritional differences. So when we're talking about a low saturated fat diet, what most people default to when they're eating low saturated fat historically has been a very, as I said before, refined carbohydrate-based diet. The only essential fats that we need to consume are the omega-6 and omega-3 fats, which are types of polyunsaturated fats. And so we can find those in a plant-based diet quite readily through nuts, seeds, avocados, even all plant foods contain some fat in different quantities. So you can readily get those and great sources of omega-3s just for the for the listeners are ground flax seeds, chia seeds, hemp seeds, walnuts are a great source. And, um, and of course, you know, for those of us who, there are some situations where I do recommend um, taking a direct active form, I call it, of omega-3, which is the DHA and the EPA. And we can get that from algae-based sources that are readily available online and, uh, you know, in stores. That's sort of another topic into itself, but I do think that the evidence is probably mounting that many of us should think about getting an algae-based source. Not everyone converts the parent form into the active form. So when you're eating the, the flax seeds and the chia seeds and so forth, you're getting the ALA, but how much of it are you converting to the active form? So I think the, the thinking is starting to move in the direction of if you're eating a fully plant-based diet, that is something that you should consider looking into getting the algae-based DHA or EPA. Uh, and particularly if you have certain chronic health conditions, like certainly if you're pregnant or breastfeeding, that's a recommendation. If you are, um, if you have diabetes or high blood pressure, you probably, or you're older, you're not going to convert as well either. So those are strong recommendations there too. But yeah, so saturated fat is not essential. We make it. And so anything we consume is just kind of above and beyond. And all of us are going to be consuming some saturated fat in our diets. And, and that's okay. I think that as far as how much, what's the upper limit of what we should consume, it it really depends on the health conditions that you're living with. If I'm just going to answer this in a completely evidence-based way, I would say that if you have heart disease, I agree with the American Heart Association recommendation that saturated fat should be kept. They're, they're recommending less than 5 to 7% of calories in your diet from saturated fat. That is hard to do. I mean, it is hard to eat, quote-unquote, lean chicken and lean turkey and not exceed that because those foods have saturated fat, you know, and, and, and it's caloric. Fat has more calories. So as a percentage of calories, you're going to hit that 5% pretty quickly. The reason I, I, I agree with that recommendation is because it's a non-essential nutrient, and it's quite clear that saturated fat raises our blood cholesterol levels, the low-density lipoprotein, or LDL, which is the most unhealthy form of cholesterol that runs in our bloodstream. And um, there's a very direct linear correlation there. And a vast amount of evidence, and we could talk about this for five hours, but suffice it to say, there's a vast amount of evidence that the higher your LDL level, the higher your risk of cardiovascular disease. It's almost impossible at this point to refute that. We want to have as low an LDL as possible, essentially. So saturated fat is, is probably the number one driver of an elevated LDL. There are other things too, but saturated fat is a huge driver. So you want to get that down. Um, saturated fat is actually also very pro-inflammatory. It causes inflammation at the cellular level. So for people with heart disease or at risk for heart disease or diabetes, I would agree that you really want to keep that as low as possible. 
But I don't recommend anyone go around tracking their exact macro and micronutrients unless you are, you know, there's some specific reason why you need to. If you're just eating a varied diet that's based in mostly whole plant foods, you are naturally going to get your saturated fat down to a healthier place. There we go, friends. Certainly a few very valuable reminders in there. Take-home message being that the compared to what question is absolutely crucial in nutrition science. When you replace saturated fat-rich foods like red meat and dairy with foods like nuts and seeds that are low in saturated fats but rich in unsaturated fats, we tend to see a reduction in cardiovascular disease risk. Overall, we want to eat a diet that's low in saturated fat, low in trans fats, and low in refined carbohydrates that provides good amounts of unsaturated fats and is rich in fiber. Naturally, this occurs when you adopt a plant-predominant diet where most or all calories come from fruits, vegetables, legumes, whole grains, nuts, and seeds. And if animal foods are included, ideally they are included in modest amounts and sourced from animals fed their native diet, which tend to be lower in saturated fat. I'll leave you with that. Finally, before we finish, I have a complimentary two-week meal plan at plantproof.com. It's absolutely loaded with breakfast, snack, lunch, and dinner recipes, professionally shot and complete with the nutritionals. This week, I've been getting incredible feedback about the broccoli tots. Seems to be a crowd favorite. So to up your game in the kitchen, your plant game, get involved by simply heading to plantproof.com and grab a copy. And for everyone who has bought a copy of my new book, The Proof is in the Plants, thank you. And please do remember that with your purchase, you get access to four very detailed bonus e-guides at plantproof.com, a blood test guide, a supplement guide, a tracking your progress guide, and the plantproof food and oil pyramids guide. Just go to plantproof.com forward slash book and follow the prompts to upload your book receipt and you'll be emailed all four guides. Alrighty, we are done and dusted. Time for me to head off for a workout, I think. Hope you've been getting your movement in this week too. Thanks again for hanging out with me. I'll catch you in a few days or so. Until then, remember, more plants, my friends, more plants.